You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. Welcome to another episode of How She Creates Good. Today, my guest is a superstar in the creating good world. Whitney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I am just thrilled. I We had a mutual friend, Meg, from Art Feeds introduce us. You guys have, you know, Meg, she's been on the podcast before. Um, and when she told me what Whitney was doing, I was just floored. I was like, that. that's it. That's exactly um, what this uh, interview series is about, is using your creativity to create good in the world. So I was so excited when Whitney agreed to be on and share her story. Um, so Whitney, will you give us like a quick um, bio of who you are? Yeah. So whenever Meg reached out, I was actually in Thailand, I believe, um, on a trip with Rafa House. Um, So yeah, my bio, I grew up, born and raised in Joplin, Missouri, super small town. Um, I always knew I was a designer um, and eventually made my way to Texas, Uh, graduated from the University of North Texas with fashion design um, and came on staff with Rafa House International as their director of merchandise. So I can get into, you know, all of the details of that later, but that's my super short bio. Perfect. Um, and so what was your degree in? Fashion Did you design. say that? Yeah, fashion, fashion design. design. Perfect. Um, okay. So can you tell us your creative story of how you fell in love with creating and with design and fashion and how you got to where you are now? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've always been a designer. I mean, I was five years old and my mom couldn't find me and she went in the back of the car. Um, and for some reason I had found these blue paper shop towels and was designing a whole wardrobe of dresses for all of my Barbies out of these blue paper shop towels. Um, so that was the first time my mom was like, Oh, my daughter is a little cuckoo. She'd rather sit in a hot car by herself than like come in and watch TV or something. Um, But yeah, I would always find these scraps of fabric or scarves or blankets and tie them around my sister. And um, I would wear jeans backwards and skirts as tops to be unique. And I was, you know, kind of a funny kid. Um, But yeah, I I loved design. And I even had this sparkly gray notebook where I kept all of my designs. In third grade, I had a, you know, a full sketchbook. Most of them were like knockoffs of like Lizzie McGuire movies or, you know, What a Girl Wants, if you remember, (laughs) if you remember that movie with Amanda Bynes. Yes. Yes. I had like, she was like my fashion icon in elementary school. I loved, I loved her. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But my mom, she was a seamstress. So she always sewed our Halloween costumes and I loved just hanging out with her and watching her and, um, you know, grabbing all those scraps of fabric that she wasn't using so I could, you know, make something else out of it. Um, and then I think my first design that she brought to life was a sweat skirt. Um, it was like this maxi skirt made out of sweatshirt material. 
Um, I thought it was so cool. And yeah, everyone made fun of me. But now I feel like it'd be really sporty. So I think I was yeah, just it sounds so cozy and so hot. <laughs> I know. Oh, a sweat skirt. I was I was really impressed with myself. I think I was like seven then. Um, nice. Yeah. And so then growing up, my dad built houses. And so I would do a lot of interior design for him. So I thought that I was going to go into interior design because, you know, growing up in a super small town, fashion design just isn't, that's not a job. Like you can't get degrees at local colleges for that. Um, yeah, that's just not like a thing people do is like go into fashion design. Um, but my mom was like, Hey, like, this is something you keep coming back to. If you really, if you really want to pursue this, let's, let's try sewing some of your formal dresses. Um, so of course in her mind, she's like, yeah, we're going to go to Joanne's and get a pattern and follow a pattern and I'll teach her the basics. And I come back to her an hour later with this elaborate design with all of these tears and like a sweetheart strapless neckline. And she's like, Oh, okay. Like that's what you want to do. Um, so we learned pattern making so I could make this dress at 16. Um, I know. And so that kind of set the toe. I loved it so much, um, sewing and working with her on that. And so I made a few more formal dresses and I had my heart set on New York. Um, but my, my senior year, I met this girl who talked about Dallas a lot and she also talked about Rafa house and, I'd heard of Rafa House. It turns out my dad and Stephanie Freed, the founder, had like known each other growing up. Um, and so I went to this like open house thing at Rafa and I was just blown away, like being in their headquarters in Joplin and just walking around and hearing the stories of what they were doing um, to combat trafficking and sexual exploitation of children. And I just knew in that moment that I couldn't be a fashion designer anymore. I had to be a lawyer or a social worker, which I think it's so funny that you had said that you are, um, your degree is in social work. Um, yeah. And, now, and you're an artist too. And so, but yes. I, yes, and you know, I almost majored in interior design too. Really? I, I, oh I my gosh. Interior design and social work. And I was like, what am I doing? This is you. <laughs> you're like, I'm passionate about all these things. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, though, would be a terrible social worker or lawyer. Um, I'm way too emotional for that. So I, like within 24 hours, I'm like, you know what? I don't have to do this in order to help Rafa House and fight sex trafficking. Like I can use fashion. And so I'm going to somehow use my skills and, you know, I'll just figure it out. So I ended up going to um, the University of North Texas in Denton which was a great fit um, and went on a trip to Cambodia with a group, which group things are not really my, you know, my style. I'm a pretty independent person, but I'm like, you know what? The next time I come back here, I'm going to go to, I'm going to, you know, go independently and use my skills. And, you know, that next summer, Rafa created an internship for me with the sewing program. So I got to go back to Cambodia for six weeks and work with the girls in our program who, um, were learning how to sew and work with their trainers. And it was just the coolest experience. Um, so yeah. And then shortly after graduation, oh, I ended up getting, um, some really cool silk fabric on that trip that I used for my senior collection and actually won some awards for, which was really cool to tie in my love of Cambodia and Rafa house. And then, you know, win awards, um, for my evening wear collection. 
uh, with this Cambodian silk. So that was really fun. And then within a few months, Rafa was like, hey, we want you to move back to Joplin and work for us. And I almost said no, because I really don't like Joplin, Missouri. Um, but I did. And it was hands down the best decision I ever made. So that's my that's kind of what got me to the point I was at five years ago. Wow. So you've been with, you were with Rafa for five years. Yes. And five years before that, I was volunteering and still, you know, advocating for them. So I've been, Rafa has been my number one passion for a decade now. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So how are you feeling with the transition away from that? Oh, it's, I'm going through somewhat of an identity crisis, to be honest. Um, But it's only been two months and, you know, we moved, my husband and I moved back to Texas. So we are back in Dallas area, which is great. Um, But right now I'm really just trying to figure out how I feel like I'm back at square one. I'm back where I was at five years ago of, okay, how am I going to use my love of fashion and design to support Rafa house without being on staff with them. Um, so it's exciting. It's scary. Um, but there, it's just like a fresh, you know, a fresh slate. So yeah. Oh yeah. I totally feel you with the, um, creative identity crisis and <laughs> figuring out what's next and piecing it all together. Yeah. But that's it's like the f- most fun part of kind of this, realm that we work in is that we can piece all of these things together and take all these passions and make them fit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Okay. So share with us, you talked a lot about fashion designing. So share a little bit of your creative process around, you know, how do you get an idea and then how do you turn it into a pattern and then to a thing you can wear? So um, I suck at pattern making. (laughs) Um, I'm a much bigger fan of draping, which is essentially just taking the fabric and putting it on the dress form and just seeing kind of what comes of it. And then you will typically transfer that to paper. Um, but I, so my dress form's name is Louise. I love her very much. Um, I had a choice between going to Mexico with my friends in high school or getting a dress form and I chose a dress form. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I love just getting fabric. Fabric is my biggest inspiration. Um, sometimes I'll have like a sketch or an idea beforehand, but usually I will just let the fabric speak to me and just see what it wants to be. Um, so yeah, I'll be, you know, just looking around and there's a lot of really cool fabric warehouses in Dallas that you can just walk around and you never know what you're going to find. Um, and then, you know, there's just that fabric that speaks to you. That's just like, Hey, I need to be this very, this type of dress or this type of jacket or whatever. Um, but that was a big challenge working for Rafa house because, you know, we had to have like set products that we were making, um, because we would teach the women how to make these products. And then we would need to find fabric for those products. And so I did, that was a really great growing experience for me. Um, sometimes I would see fabric and be like, okay, this has to be a new product. So we're going to buy this and we're going to make a new product because of this specific fabric. But, um, typically I was having to work in reverse of how I usually operate. Um, which was really good for me. So, so that's usually my, my inspiration is, is just the fabric. Um, and there's a lot of trial and error 
in my process too. Um, if I'm working on something like we did, I don't know if you saw on Instagram or not, but um, we created a home collection with Shibori. Did you see that by chance? Oh, no. Okay. It I was, would have remembered that. It was amazing. Um, yeah, just launched this spring. Um, we used turmeric and annatto, which is like this kind of rusty peachy color that they use for um food coloring and soups and stuff and you can just get it at the market and we dyed our fabric with it um but i've never done shibori before i hadn't really worked with natural dyes um but with that it was just okay let's fold the fabric this way and let's use you know these materials so i did a ton of research beforehand um because i don't like making mistakes Um, But sometimes the mistakes are what lead to something better. And so there was this one type of bark that we were going to use to make a blue color. And it was the opposite. It was actually like this orange color. And it was it was perfect. It was exactly what I had no idea that I wanted. And so we just kind of leaned into that. Um, And so I try to roll with the punches as much as possible um, with that. And then sometimes, yeah, just is way better than what that original vision was in my head. Oh, okay. I loved so much of what you just <laughs> said. I love, I love that you let the the uh, the fabric inspire you and how you're using these local local products and easy things to acquire um, to create these like beautiful, beautiful works of art. Can you tell us first, we'll back up a little okay. bit, tell us what Rafa House is? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So Rafa House is an international nonprofit and we, I say we, cause I'm still part of it. I'm not officially, but I am still part of Rafa House. Um, we work with children who have been rescued from trafficking and sexual exploitation. And so our main, um, the main thing that we focus on is aftercare. We have safe house campuses in Thailand, Cambodia, and Haiti. It's a full rehabilitative program, um, where girls, um, for the first time, we'll often have three or often for the first time, we'll have three meals a day, their own bed to sleep in, um, you know, very intensive group and individual counseling. We have partnered with Art Feeds to build these gorgeous, gorgeous art centers um, so that art therapy is incorporated into that. Um, we really, really fight for justice for our girls. And so we will um bring their perpetrators to justice um, if we can do that. And we also encourage education. And so all of our girls who are younger and able to go back to school, they do that, whether that's public or private or um, at the safe house, it's kind of a, you know, whatever fits them in their specific case, whatever is safest for them. Um, But some of the girls are older and did not, you know, go to school. So it doesn't really make sense for a 16 year old to go back to kindergarten. That would be humiliating for her and would actually kind of, you know, be a setback in her healing process. So what we do there is we work with her and kind of determine what vocational training option would be best um, while also teaching her basic computer skills and um, Kamai and English. Um, And in Thailand and Haiti, um, we would, you know, teach obviously the the local languages there. Um, So, um, okay, I lost my train of thought. I'm glad we can edit this. (laughs) Oh, no, it's perfect. Um, Um, Yeah. What 
what beautiful and restorative work you guys are doing there. That is just so important. Um, so tell us how you see creativity being used to create good through this work that Rafa House is doing. Absolutely. Um, so specifically with our vocational training programs, it's so beautiful to see our girls grow. I am closest to the sewing program. Obviously, that was you know my job as director of merchandise, but we also have um, cosmetology and the saw paper program, which I helped create in Thailand. Um, and these girls crave creativity and it is, you know, being artistic and allowing yourself to just open up in that way. Um, I don't think that's something that's typically encouraged in the cultures that we're working in. And so getting to watch them express themselves through either sewing or creating paper or whatever that they're, whatever they're doing, um, it's really beautiful. And some of these girls end up being incredible artisans and um, being a part of Roth House for so many years. I've gotten to watch these girls grow up to be women who then train younger women and help them. And it's just, yeah, it's really cool to watch that process happen. Amazing. And, and so where do we come in? How can we be a part of this legacy in this journey that Rafa House is on? I think advocacy is just one of the biggest things, um, bringing awareness to what we're doing. Um, yeah, that's just number one. Um, with our saw paper program, um, I'll explain what that is just real quick. So the girls in Thailand are making paper out of mulberry bark, um, which is a renewable resource in northern Thailand. Um, so the tree does not die. It just continues to reproduce bark after it is stripped off, which is really cool. Um, but we are making cards and bags and um, other simple products with this saw paper. And so if you have any, you know, connections with that, or if you end up having any workshop and you want to give away goodie bags, you know, partner with us. These, these girls want more business. Um, so that would be a really awesome way to partner with us. Awesome. That is, yeah, so perfect. We'll definitely reach out yeah. about um, doing that. Um, and what can you tell us Rafa House's website yes. or where we can find yes. them? Okay. So rafahouse.org. So R-A-P-H-A house.org. That is our general website. Um, the store website um, is shop.rafahouse.org. And you can access, you know, both websites from each other. Perfect. And we'll have all of these linked in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. You'll be able to find and connect with Whitney and Roth House and all of the things that she's talking about. Um, so you are transitioning out of Rafa House now and you're starting your own style business. Can you give us a little bit of background about what that's going to look Absolutely. like? Absolutely. So um, through you know all of my experiences at Rafa House, I learned that my passion, my first love will always be Rafa in combating trafficking and sexual exploitation of children, but also just empowering women all over the globe. Um, and that looks different for different people, but for me, it looks like, um, helping them feel beautiful and 
also bringing awareness to the people who, mostly women, who are making our clothes. Um, so this business is um, essentially wardrobe consulting and styling. And so my process will look like it'll be a three-step process. Um, step one will be the closet analysis where I go in and um, touch everything <laughs> that that person owns and help them determine whether or not it belongs in their wardrobe, um, whether to keep it, toss it, donate it, and then organize their closet and drawers in a way that is efficient and aesthetically pleasing. Um, and the goal there is for nothing to belong in the closet unless it suits them, it's flattering to them, and it matches their lifestyle and um, their future, where they're going. Um, and then step two is personal shopping, helping them um, you know, find those missing pieces that were identified in the closet analysis. Um, and really, my hope there is to connect my clients with um, brands who are doing things better and, you know, are making efforts towards sustainability and producing their items ethically, as well as secondhand shopping. I have um, a knack for finding great secondhand items. Um, and so kind of removing the stigma, you know, around used clothing um, and kind of replacing that with, hey, like this has a story and this is unique and, you know, no one else has this. And so um, that would be step two. And then step three is outfit coordination and just putting everything together. A lot of people um, get stuck in a style rut and just think, okay, this, this, these shirt, or I'm sorry, these pants go with this shirt and I wear this jacket with this dress and that's it. Um, but really, even with just a few great pieces, you can create dozens of looks. And so I want to help my clients um, learn how to dress their bodies in a way that makes them feel confident and strong and empowered um, with clothes they already own and with clothes that empowered the makers. So Whitney is a fantastic person to follow on Instagram. She shares really cool stuff um, behind the scenes of all of this and her really cool style. Can you share your Instagram handle for yeah, us? Yeah, it's Whitney Herod, uh, H-E-R-R-O-D. That's how you spell my last name. Perfect. Okay, so we have talked about sex trafficking and product lines and personal style. How do all of these things relate and why is style important? So style is important because I, I believe style changes lives. I really do. Um, one, because, you know, the people who are making our clothes are either being empowered or exploited. And whenever you choose to purchase and support purchase from and support brands who are doing things better, it is changing the lives of those people. Um, 80% of the people who make our clothes are young women, um, ages 18 to 25. And so this isn't just a, you know, this isn't just about clothes. This is a human rights issue. This is a women's issue, um, which is something I'm very passionate about. So um, being aware of the, where your clothes are coming from are just so important. But style um, is just another form of expressing who you are to the world. Um, and so whenever you, you know, select certain colors or certain textures or silhouettes, that is just a very, it's a very um, 
functional way of expressing yourself because everyone has to wear clothes. You know, that's, that's what our society expects is for us to, you know, leave our house clothed. Um, and so it's, it's just an opportunity every day for you to express yourself. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember, we had a recent episode with Erin from Vela Vintage and she definitely schooled us on a lot of, um, this background that Whitney is talking about with how, knowing how our clothes are made. And so I'll link that in the show notes if you want to dig a little bit more into what Whitney yeah, is talking about because it is – yeah, it's such a good one. And it's, it's really important for us to um, be educated on just like you were saying. Um, so let's talk about style. Okay. Can you share with us some of your like quick, easy, good style tips Absolutely. for us? So my first thing that I will tell people is to understand your skin type and your body type. So if you have um, cool skin, which you can discover by looking at um, the veins in your wrist, if they're gonna, if they're more purple and blue, you have a cool skin tone. If they are more green, you have a warmer or like an olive skin tone. Um, and so sticking to colors that are on the cool or warm side of the scale will typically look better on you. But if you really do want to wear, you know, for me, I have a very cool skin tone. I'm very fair, but I love a pop of red. So I will typically choose a red with cooler undertones. So something that is more on, you know, the pink or blue side, as opposed to the orange side. Um, and that looks better on me. So, um, just understanding your skin type and what colors look good on you. Um, and then your body type. So I am a pear shape. Um, so much larger hips than up top. So, um, something I work with my clients on is always how do we focus on your best features and kind of just disguise the features that you don't want to bring attention to. So always focusing on my shoulders because that's one of the, my better features as opposed to my hips and my legs. Um, so just that's, you know, my, my biggest tip is understand your body type and your skin type, um, to learn how to dress yourself. Um, when shopping, always try to remember to find great basics and staples because those, um, will extend the life of your wardrobe. So I usually stick to about 75 to 80% staples and then 20, 25% fun, funky items, because then you can mix and match your wardrobe a lot easier and almost just close your eyes and just reach out and pick something. And it will typically work with anything else. Um, so those are my, those are my big style tips. Oh my gosh. I'm, me and everyone else are now freaking <laughs> out looking at their veins. I've never heard that before. <gasps> That's yeah. amazing. Um, and and I love that percentage that you gave. That is such a good percentage that I don't feel like you know I've heard enough. Yeah, and it just oh here's here's one more. Forget about trends. Just forget about them. Just mm. wear whatever makes you feel good about yourself. You know, there's. You know, trends, I believe, exist just to make us feel bad about ourselves. Be like, oh, well, I don't have this silhouette of denim this season. Like in a couple of months, that, you know, silhouette of denim is going to be dated. And then you're going to look like a loser if you're still wearing it. And so just don't buy into trends. Just 
wear what looks good on you, wear what makes you feel confident. Yeah, maybe, you know, get a couple things that are trendy if you actually like them, but focus more on timeless pieces that will last you for decades that are really high quality. Invest in, you know, better brands as opposed to going crazy at these, you know, fast fashion shops, buying one of every color and allowing them to last you a, you know, a couple wears. Where I always, if I do buy something, I try to make sure that I will wear it at least 30 times or more. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good number too. Um, okay. So you, you just mentioned this. Can you explain the difference to us of fast fashion Ooh. versus uh, fair trade handmade? Yes. So um, first I'm going to plug a documentary, The True Cost. Have you watched that? I have not, but I feel like Erin recommended it in okay. her episode. I need to be friends so with Erin. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, The True Cost, it's on Netflix. It changed my life. So fast fashion is essentially um, what most people are wearing. It is cheap. It is made in factories very quickly. And so they will take trends that they see on the runway or they see celebrities wearing and they will um, replicate it essentially and make it very quickly um, overseas and it'll be in stores in you know, a matter of weeks. So the cost, you know, if, our, if a t-shirt in a store that is not secondhand costs more than a latte, there's a problem going on there. Um, because mm-hmm. the cost of fabric and other materials and shipping is going up and our clothing is getting cheaper and factory owners are making more money. So somewhere someone is paying and those that's usually the people who are making our clothes. So, um, it's not something that is fun to talk about. It's not something that people want to talk about very often, but, um, so that's fast fashion. Anything that is just produced very quickly, very cheaply. Um, and in the stores like Forever 21, H&M, Target, ugh, as I'm wearing my Target pants right now, but you know, <laughs> 30 times or more. So um, slow fashion, on the other hand, incorporates um, clothing that is made, um, that takes its time, that is not necessarily following all of the trends, but is often people first, product second. That's not always the case. You know, people can be making, you know, a pretty major profit on clothes. Um, but that's, that's slow fashion. So fair trade and, you know, anything that is made by artisans where they are being paid fairly, um, that's, that's just the better way of doing things. And it often costs more, but because people are taking their time on making these items and they are not being rushed or being told that they can't have bathroom breaks, working 12 hour shifts, you know, they, you know, there are clothes are going to be made better. You have given us such a perfect kind of overview of how creativity is being used to create good in the world through our fashion, how we can make better choices, um, and how and I just I love your your background that you're able to give on how these pieces are produced um, at places like Rafa House and tons of other organizations throughout the world are you know buying into this same idea and using fashion and home goods and decor items and jewelry um, to create good through their creativity. Um, 
So I appreciate you sharing yeah, about that so you. much. Um, can you share with us what living a creative lifestyle looks like for you? Okay. So I am inspired by everything all of the time. Um, so I'm not always putting that into action necessarily. I feel like my creativity has, has been suffering a little bit over the last couple of months since I've not been working for Rafa House and been going through this pretty crazy transition. But, you know, I'm just always thinking of ways to, you know, be different and do something that feels like me and might not be, you know, trendy or what everyone else is doing. Um, so I do that through, you know, my clothing, what I wear, if I, if I like something, I'll just try it out. Um, and then same with my decor in my, in my home. Um, creativity for me is often just fine, like storytelling. So a lot of the pieces in my home are heirloom. Um, from different grandparents or, you know, something fun I found in Southeast Asia or a thrift store in Joplin, Missouri. Um, But yeah, and I like doing that through my clothing too, being able to um, tell stories of where the pieces I'm wearing came from or why I chose to wear something a certain way, why I chose to wear two belts instead of one or, you know, something like that. So I'd say storytelling is really important to me. Yeah, I feel you on the everything, everywhere inspires me. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us one of those stories about a piece of clothing that's significant sure. to you? Sure. Um, so probably one of my favorite pieces is this scarf from Tone Length. They are a brand um, working out of Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Rachel Faller is the founder. She's amazing. Oh my gosh. Also follow Tonle. I love them. T-O-N-L-E. Anyway, I have this scarf and they are zero waste. And so they literally waste nothing in their process. So this scarf I have, um, it has not, it was um, created with natural dyes with strips of fabric left over from the other pieces they create from fabric that was purchased uh, like a remnant warehouse. So like leftover fabric mm-hmm. that could end up in a dump. They purchased it instead, made stuff, scraps. They wove into this scarf. Um, and I've, I've probably gotten a hundred or more compliments on it in the last couple of years that I've had this piece. So I love just getting to raise awareness for Rachel, who I've met um, and her company because they're doing great things in a country that I love. So, yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. Also, almost all of my jewelry, um, I've, I've gotten a few pieces from different local artisans over the years, but most of my jewelry is from my great grandmother. And I always wear her rings every day. Actually, I have rings from different great grandmothers. Um, but one, I have this European charm necklace, um, and my great grandmother, you know, toured Europe and collected all these little charms and then put them on a necklace. And I've had that since I was 16 and I absolutely love it. So yeah. This just makes my heart (laughs) so like weak and happy. Oh, that and my target pants. Um, So yeah. <laughs> Listen. Uh yeah, I oh gosh, Target. I just I can't know. even. I'm I'm 
I miss Target the most of oh, anything sure. living overseas. So I have no judgment. <laughs> um, so tell us what is your favorite resource for creativity? Ooh, okay. I love art museums so much. Um, I'm so excited to live back in the Dallas area because the DMA is one of my favorite places in the world. Also the Dallas World Aquarium. Um, it is it is insane. That inspired um, like this menswear look. I did this jacket that was inspired by these sharks and I won an award for that in school too. So I'm I'm just excited to be in a city again where there are things like museums and aquariums um, and parks and buildings. And yeah, so I guess the city really inspires me. Um, I had a friend's friend's mom told me in high school um, she had done some fashion design um, when she was younger. And she was like, you know, God already put together the best colors. And so if you're wanting to look for good color stories, just look at nature because he, he did it best. And I loved that so much. And so for someone who is typically drawn to the concrete jungle, instead of just like a normal jungle, um, looking at trees and seeing how, you know, the colors are changing in the fall and, um, you know, different flowers and, you know, that does, that does inspire me as well. So I always kind of clung, clung to that little bit of advice there. Oh my gosh, we're like the exact same person. <laughs> this is oh, just incredible. Um, awesome. Can we see this shark inspired jacket? Yes, photos of that you can share? Yeah, I can. Yeah, um, I can send it to you. Yeah, I got first place menswear in my senior fashion show. So it was pretty, it was pretty course. cool. Yeah. <gasps> that's oh, that's another one that. of those like, oh, whoops, I just made a mistake and then it turned out better. I ran out of leather. I ran out of leather and I purchased it in Dallas and I was home in Joplin over Thanksgiving break. And I'm like, crap, I have to, I have to get leather now. So I found this guy in Carthage, Missouri who makes saddles. And I'm like, Hey, I know it's Thanksgiving day, but can I come and buy some leather from you? And I found this contrasting leather and I used the reverse side of it for just like little pieces that I couldn't you know, that I ran out of leather for. And yeah, it looked really cool. It looked way better than had I used all the same color leather. So sometimes mistakes, you know, are really, really good. Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. Of course you used I know. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Um, so Whitney, what is new with you? What can we be looking out for that you are doing so, now? Honestly, the newest thing, I have a, I have a new kitten. That's my that's really my focus over the last couple of weeks. Um, oh, right. So you cute. saw Pepper. She's adorable. She's locked up in the bedroom right now. So she wouldn't be distracting to me. Um, so that's the, that's my focus right now, but really what I need to be focusing on is my website. Um, WhitneyHarrod.com. It's live. I will be taking clients very soon. Um, but if you want to go ahead and check it out, see the services I'll be offering. I already explained my process, but I offer some additional services as well, like special, you know, helping people figure out what to wear for a special event or, you know, for photo shoots or, you know, what to pack. I'm an expert packer from traveling Southeast Asia a few times a year for five years. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get my business started and, so yeah, follow me on Instagram at Whitney Herod and my website is WhitneyHerod.com. 
Awesome. Well, we're going to have all of that linked in the show notes so that you guys can find Whitney, especially if you're local to Dallas. Um, I definitely want you to connect with her. Uh, But like I said, she's a fantastic person to follow online. She shares amazing loads of inspiration for your creativity and your style. Uh, So Whitney, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I loved it. Yeah, you, yeah, you're so encouraging to us. And um, I just appreciate all that you're doing to using your creativity to create good in the world. Um, And we'll have all the links, like I said, in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you here next week for another episode of How She Creates. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes blog and using the hashtag how she creates until next week. I hope you get curious and go explore something.